Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. Welcome to another edition of Middle East Review. And uh, with me, as usual, is my good colleague and friend, uh, Colonel Reserve, Dr. Eran Lerman. Um, this uh, edition is going to be very much packed with events. Uh, there's never a dull moment in the Middle East, but this time, especially, I think the departure point should be maybe Iran, um, the watershed event in Israel. Uh, the dissolution of uh, the Knesset and calling for new elections. We don't have a final date for new elections, but uh, probably at the end of uh, October. Early November. Or early November. <coughs> to coincide with the Americans. To, yes, very, very <laughs> interesting. Very interesting, right. Um, we have, of course, to, 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 to point out that uh, the government, although it's an interim government, has full power, full authority uh, to continue and, and conduct uh, uh, policies for the interest uh, of the state of Israel, and especially when it comes to um, uh, defense issues. Maybe some domestic affairs are going to be put aside, you know, whether it's uh, economic uh, reforms, social reforms, but when it comes to uh, security, I believe things may uh, continue to go along. And my, my first uh, question to you, uh, Iran, is will the government feel maybe a little bit more restrained vis-a-vis -vis Iran, vis-a-vis -vis Syria, um, other issues that are on the table, for instance, the, uh, the new um, excavation of uh, Israeli gas uh, near the territorial water, economic water of uh, Lebanon, threats from uh, Hezbollah, many, many things. And um, what, where do you think that this new political situation in Israel puts the Israeli government vis-a-vis uh, -vis all those uh, challenges that they will have to continue and uh, take care of. Well, interestingly, <clears throat> the caretaker prime minister under the uh, rotation agreement uh, will be Yair Lapid, our current foreign minister, a man who comes with no uh, military background beyond the standard uh, Israeli experience. Uh, he is not a combat uh, Officer, unlike almost all of his predecessors in uh, in the last generation, uh, with one uh, exception being Ehud Olmert, everyone else came actually from the special forces. Ariel Sharon created the 101, Ehud Barak, Netanyahu, and the current Prime Minister Naftali Bennett all served in the same unit, mm -hmm. uh, special the, the the top of the top of the special forces uh, units mm -hmm. of the IDF. So Lapid will be, to some extent, uh, I think, uh, uh, motivated to demonstrate that he has a grasp and a capacity to act on, on security matters, every bit as much as his illustrious military co uh, colleagues with their illustrious military backgrounds. 
And uh, moreover, he will uh, come to that position having worked for a year on building up the um, uh, international support for Israeli action, understanding for Israel's motivations. Uh, if there's one point that, uh, in, in which, on, on which this government deserves serious credit, is its ability to move the Iranian portfolio uh, from the realm of politics, American politics, into the realm of professional cooperation with the defense establishments of the United States and other key players in the West. The, the uh, US decision to delist, or not to delist, ultimately not to delist, the IRGC. To reject the demand from To reject the, the Iranian demand to uh, uh, remove the IRGC from the list of terrorist organizations was essentially taken at the professional level and then, and then uh, given the seal of political approval. And that's, I believe, uh, an achievement. There will be continuity, of course, in the, in the person of our Minister of Defense, but Lapid was very much part of this uh, uh, nuanced new strategy. He shares entirely, I believe, with both uh, his current partners and with Netanyahu, the perspective uh, on Iran as a threat. Uh, but um, there was a nuance in the way in which this was dealt with in the interaction, the all-important interaction with the Americans. So this, I think, uh, will be an element of, of continuity, perhaps even intensification. We are seeing a very, uh, um, according to foreign sources, as everyone in Israel is used to say, um, a serious intensification of the campaign to uh, deny the IRGC certain capabilities and to um, delay and deter and disrupt the Iranian nuclear effort. Well, we, we have seen certainly a, um, I would say, a nuanced departure with the, this intensification um, with, in, in two elements. First of all was, again, uh, according to uh, foreign sources, uh, the bombing of the uh, Damascus um, airport, the international airport. airport. Yeah, the international <laughs> airport, which is a real, um, I would say, uh, if there is, uh, if there are grades in terms of humiliating a country or uh, hitting its strategic uh, uh, assets, uh, airport, international airport is probably on 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 the top, if not if not number two, if not number one, number two. And here, the uh, international airport of uh, Damascus was hit, which caused a uh, Taken paralysis out of commission. There, out of commission for about uh, two weeks. Um, of course, uh, Israel was blamed. If you add this, this is, uh, has not been uh, done before in such a uh, blatant way. And uh, if you add to that the uh, series of uh, disappearing acts by many officials in Iran, our IRJC, whether in aviation, whether in nuclear activities, uh, and of course, Iran is blaming Israel. But certainly, in the last few weeks, we see intensification, and we also see something which is um, maybe also you want to address that. With all the vengeance and with all the calls and threats of Iran, against Israel to revenge, they have not been able, thank God, 
to affect any kind of operation. Um, I hope they will continue with this uh, failure. But uh, also it would be interesting to hear from your take, uh, where does it put them in terms of uh, operability, in terms of their uh, skills, in terms of capabilities when it comes uh, to, uh, uh, you know, underground uh, operations, uh, terrorism, of course. We know that in the past, you know, they cost us a lot. Bombing uh, the Israeli embassy in 1992 in, in Buenos Aires, uh, bombing the AMIA, the, Israel, the Jewish Federation building in also Buenos Aires. The worst Aires. act of anti-Semitic slaughter since the World War. Yeah, that was 1994. And uh, at that time, Israel was caught by surprise. Yes. And, um, they, I, think that, I think the point we are driving home on the assumption that uh, at least a good part of the operations attributed to Israel are indeed uh, based on penetrating intelligence about the Iranian establishment. We are telling them basically that intelligence-wise, they are naked. And we know what they're doing. We know what they're doing in terms of their nuclear project, including this new tunneling uh, uh, effort in the area of Natanz. We know about their terrorist uh, activity. And uh, this has led to a essentially a manhunt in Turkey, uh, accompanied by uh, very stern warnings to Israeli tourists that they, are, they could be hunted by Iranian agents. But the Turkish government has uh, agreed to be of help and, and according to some reports, have actually uh, caught Which in terms Iranian of, operatives. Yeah, in terms of this covert war, I would say uh, hunting just innocent uh, travelers and tourists, they are the, if I can say, quote-unquote, the lowest-grade as target. Target. Yes. That means that uh, they are quite exasperated in order to do something, exactly. and even that, they cannot really. Uh, yeah. They, uh, and of course, there is another way of responding, which is simply telling uh, tall, tall tales and lies. Um, there's a story going now that the Iranians are putting about that they have captured Israeli scientists and agents across the border in Azerbaijan. Yeah. And, and and so on and so forth. So, so you know, uh, in in the world, in the era of fake news, that can also be part of uh, As they warfare. also reported that uh, they hit a, a Mossad uh, um, office or installation in, in, in er, next to Irbil. It, yes. So. Uh, so, uh, and, and by the way, we should also bear in mind that another dimension of, of the war, which is ongoing, and, and some of it can get ugly, is uh, cyber warfare. There are reports that the Iranians have also raided American targets, uh, that they had a finger in the disruption of work at the Boston Children's Hospital, which tells you, again, how low they're going to, to go in order to uh, demonstrate their, their, their abilities, limited as they are. So we, we are at a war, at uh, what people nowadays, um, my friend Omer Dostri, the JSS, calls a, a gray zone uh, war with Iran and its proxies. And um, in that kind of war, the key is intelligence superiority. And Israel is able to demonstrate mm-hmm. that intelligence superiority. And I don't think this will change because of our political setup. But there is definitely an escalation. We see that. And okay, 
you mentioned uh, intelligence. So Israel pretty much can detect all kinds of uh, avenues that the Iranians use in uh, in a very um, you know, subterfuge way. Uh, they tried uh, through um, sea shipments. Israel stopped that. Uh, air shipment. And now uh, they even, um, what they do is they camouflage uh, civilian airplanes and civilian um uh, tourists, where they can carry in their luggage all kinds of instrumentation to uh, that would help uh, better um, the, uh, si- the the system in of the Hezbollah. I think uh, Israel would not have taken a step as radical as an attack on a an international airport if it wasn't uh, for very very specific very detailed and very persuasive intelligence evidence of of that kind of activity as you described it interestingly the response of the uh, both the, the russians and the syrians was was quite interesting the russians opted for a uh, condemnation at the united nations which will not uh, un security council which will not fly because of the veto rights etc uh, but um, that's a, an elegant way of doing, of making a loud noise Going the motions, and having, uh, but and delivering something for the Syrians without uh, risking anything. And uh, Assad's standard response to all such attacks uh, on Syrian soil is, since the uh, bloody Zionists are collaborating with our local rebels who are their agents, we're going to hit. The rebels, <laughs> because he knows very well that the confrontation with Israel would be disastrous for, for the, what's left of the Syrian state after 11 years of civil war. The main question here is, will this uh, intensification, escalation of activities by Israel, and rightly so, because it's really a, uh, a, a real threat uh, for Israel, the buildup that the Iranians are trying to do around us, uh, but will... Israel's uh, latest uh, actions and activities, will that deter uh, Assad and Syria? Will that in any way change the cooperation or actually the uh, carte blanche that the Syrians give the Iranians to actually use the Syrian territory as, as they see fit? Well, there are areas in which the Syrians have moved to uh, secure their own direct governmental control, particularly the border area, so that the Iranians cannot do that as they wish. And I think the Russians whisper in Assad's ear, and that their whisper can be louder than an Iranian shout, uh, be careful, you know, uh, we know the real score. Don't listen to all this Iranian bluster and bravado. Uh, don't tangle with Israel beyond what you absolutely have to. We understand that you cannot get rid of the Iranian militias or or, or the IRGC or Hezbollah uh, in Syria because uh, they have become vital to the survival of the regime against a rebellious uh, Sunni majority in Syria. But be careful. Um, Try to see what you can do to draw a line or or to generate limits. So we're not talking about any prospect of Assad throwing the Iranians out, you know, like Sadat threw the Russians out in in, in 72. Uh, But he's uh, at least exercising some caution. And meanwhile, we have a very interesting development in Lebanon, because on one hand, we have a lot, again, bluster and threats 
from Hezbollah about the, uh, the maritime uh, EEZ border, exclusive economic zone border, in an attempt to draw it again by Lebanon. They keep asking for more and more, like the proverbial fisherman's wife in, in Pushkin's uh, folktale, uh, you know, who asked for more and more and more and more until the goldfish had enough and she became a, a, a wretched, poor fisherman's wife again. And the Lebanese have a tendency to ask for more and more. However, there has been in the last weeks an effort to return to the negotiating table. Um, my old acquaintance, uh, Amos Hochstein, well, Israeli-born American, by the way, mm -hmm. who is now the top energy negotiator for the Biden administration, uh, went to Lebanon with, uh, to discuss two issues, not one. One is the supply of Egyptian gas via Jordan and Syria to Lebanon, for which uh, some of the American sanctions on Syria would need to be suspended, right. the Caesar Act, in, because here's an economic uh, uh, transaction that uh, the Syrians will also benefit from. But the also flow of oil of in gas. their territory, of, of gas in their territory. Yes. Because the pipeline goes it through is. Syria. And, and the Syrians will also uh, benefit, and that, that will go also to Lebanon, because Lebanon is on the verge of energetic as well as financial and, and social collapse. Um, interestingly enough, this gas uh, is Egyptian, nominally Egyptian, but part of it may come also from Israeli sources, since gas uh, has a distinct smell, but it does not, not a geopolitical smell. It can come from anywhere. So it is no ID. It is no does not come with an ID, and so uh, um, Israel, the Israeli Egyptian uh, uh, cooperation, which is uh, intensifying, also the LNG question, will also enable, uh, even if it's not Israeli gas directly, the fact that Israeli gas would feed the Egyptian LNG facility, so the Egyptians can free up their gas for, for a delivery by pipeline to Jordan and points north. All of these are part of, of a whole. That's a fascinating uh, development. Mm -hmm. It gives um, the US negotiator and indirectly Israel leverage over the Lebanese position vis-a-vis -vis the exact delineation of the EEZ border. So I think we have a, at least a fighting chance of um, Achieve, reaching a, a workable compromise, which would clearly leave um, the Karish field clearly within the Israeli uh, EEZ, while giving the Lebanese a stake in developing uh, their own blocks mm -hmm. and and basically having an, uh, an interest in stability. Which they badly need. Absolutely. Stability and also the energy source and... Uh, um, you know, for them, you know, sometimes they work like uh, cutting their nose to spite our face. But I think now that the time is such that they are really on the verge of total collapse. It's a it, nose uh, they can no longer breathe exactly, without. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I think maybe this is the time where they can uh, show some flexibility to their own, uh, for their own interests. So I would say, um, Iran, if we sum up, the uh, Iranian issue, not the nuclear issue. We know on the nuclear issue there is a stalemate. Uh, whether they will reach an agreement in Vienna or not seems like now more not than yes. 
which means Israel will have and to... And they are rushing forward to uh, higher and higher levels of enrichment. Which means that Israel will have to recalibrate its uh, policy yes. and operation towards uh, Iran, of course, with uh, the United States Possibly and the other before allies. the next elections in Israel. Right. That is very important. Uh, so on the, on the nuclear file, we know it's kind of a touch and go. We're all waiting to see. Uh, on the terror issues and the uh, destabilization uh, efforts of Iran, we know that there is pretty much a red line where Assad does not allow the Iranians, Iranian militias, Hezbollah, to come next to our border in the Golan Heights. Um, but at the same time, they will not prevent them to continue and try to smuggle more arms, better and sophisticated to the Hezbollah in, in Lebanon. So this is pretty much the status quo and the interesting thing to see whether Israel will continue with these uh, strong messages to uh, Assad, like the bombing, as they say, in foreign uh, sources of the international airport in Damascus. Yeah, I believe, I believe this uh, political upheaval in Israel will not change the current trajectory of Israeli policy on Iran. In fact, in the run-up to uh, uh, the Biden visit, which is a, a momentous event and could uh, increasingly looks as if it could uh, generate some sort of new cooperative arrangement between Israel and others in the region, possibly in the form of a MEAD uh, treaty organization, Middle right. East Air Defense Treaty Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this will not change because uh, will not be significantly affected right. by the upheaval in Israel. Yeah. So again, the main challenge would be not just for Israel, I think for the entire international community, certainly the Western world, is to keep Iran at bay when it comes to terrorism and also uh, to stop their nuclear activities either through an agreement, which would be hopefully, as the American always promised, uh, longer, longer and stronger. And stronger. Uh, right now, we, we don't see that uh, Shorter happening. Shorter and weaker. Exactly. Um, and if that doesn't work, you know, maybe other means will have to be uh, discussed and put on the table. Um, and without... we do need to pay attention to what's happening within Iran. And, exactly. Because the evidence is mounting of unrest. Um, the, the elderly are uh, distraught as they're... F- Pensions become increasingly meaningless uh, against uh, rising prices. There's uh, the shortages uh, on, on all fronts. If this should seriously spread to uh, Islam Shah, to the, the poor quarters of southern Tehran, the regime could find itself facing a major challenge. So basically, we see a race. On the one hand, the, the more pressure on the Iranian Ayatollah's uh, regime um, to, uh, to stop their illegal activities, especially in the nuclear areas. And on the other hand, there is a race which undermines the uh, authority and maybe also the regime itself of Iran. And the question, what will come first? And um, I'm afraid that this may, um, I would say, inject some more impetus into the Iranians' effort to uh, actually um, <coughs> get the bomb they get even earlier, as sooner than they thought, just to expedite their efforts as a means to ensure their survivability, both domestically at home and also vis-a-vis the international community. 
true enough, um, and much will depend on the effectiveness of sanctions, on the intensity of the pressure, on keeping a united Western position and a, a united regional position. And this is what makes the Biden visit so important because it will basically be an opportunity to demonstrate the, uh, the like-minded position of Israel and Saudi Arabia, who by now, alongside the UAE and Egypt, are the, and, and of course Turkey, are the key players in the region. Now, Turkey has made a very interesting shift uh, within, it keeps, it has, did not begin in the last few weeks, but we are seeing it even more pronounced now with the visit of uh, Foreign Minister Lapid, with the previous visit in Israel of Foreign Minister Chavosh. The latest call just two days ago between President Herzog of Israel and Erdogan. And Erdogan. All of these, of course, all of this revolves on the immediate need to foil uh, an act of Iranian murder on Turkish soil, which of course would be ruinous to what's left of, of the Turkish uh, tourist economy in the age of COVID. Uh, but beyond that, uh, here's the ultimate irony. Once upon a time, if you wanted to do business or to draw investment from Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates, you had to keep your distance from Israel. Nowadays, if you want billions in investment pacts and loans from the Emirates in Saudi Arabia, which is Erdogan absolutely needs now to stabilize a tottering economy, you need to be good with Israel. <laughs> That's the ultimate reversal of, uh, of, of our situation in the region. No, no, it's amazing. Israel's <coughs> geopolitical uh, position today is very strong. Uh, it is recognized as a uh, regional uh, power. I would say maybe even the most significant uh, regional, regional power, not only because of its uh, strategic capabilities, its economic capabilities, but also because now of uh, energy uh, capabilities and uh, the attempt of, uh, of Iran to uh, hit Israelis in Turkey is actually putting a, a wedge between Turkey and, and Iran because it's certainly against uh, Turkish uh, uh, interests, not only just uh, infringing on their sovereignty, also risking Turkish uh, citizens. Sure. But Turkey, as you mentioned, uh, Iran, now needs Israel more than ever, first of all. Yeah. the two Look, look at how they ab absolutely settled for a, a brief conversation uh, on the major Israeli military exercise in Cyprus. Right. Yeah, two years ago, Erdogan would have gone ballistic over this. Nothing. Right. But also, I think what uh, made him a little bit uh, more quiet and uh, peaceful is the fact that everybody knew that uh, it was simulating a, uh, a war in Lebanon. Yeah, no, uh, not, not the defense uh, of Cyprus uh, against right. Turkey. True and enough, uh, Turkish Hezbollah still. is not like Turkish uh, Hamas. Hezbollah is an Iranian uh, uh, organ. Uh, so Tur Turkey doesn't really care so much about. But on top of the tourists that bring a lot of money to the um, Turkish economy also, they would like to see a possibility of a uh, gas pipe, pipeline uh, through Turkey remains to, uh, to Europe. So in any way, what we see here that um, Israel's geopolitical situation has changed dramatically. Iran continue with its foul play, but we have a lot of cards against it. 
So uh, I'm sure we will be captivated about it for the next time. Thank you, Iran. It was very educating and a pleasure as usual. And to all our viewers, thank you very much for watching another edition of Middle East Review. This is TV7 in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media. 